The following is brought to you by the Starfleet Podcast Network, SPN, The Spin. Hey, this is Dag, and you're listening to Beyond Trek Podcast. So it really is a big team effort. They are keen on getting the science as right as possible. And they know how many people are inspired by Star Trek and other science fiction. They want it to be as right as possible. That said, in the end, story will trump science. So if something is impossible, you know, we have to leave it. And uh, maybe then we just don't explain that piece to it. Give me, give me a little more again about about your background, so that way the audience can know more of what you do and your work and how it relates to Star Trek. Sure. So my name is Mohammed Noor. I'm a biology professor at Duke University, and most relevant for your podcast, I'm also an occasionally contracted science advisor for some of the current Star Trek TV shows. So what that means is, you know, Dr. Aaron McDonald is the science advisor for the entire franchise, and her expertise is in astrophysics. But sometimes they need expertise outside of astrophysics or outside of her specialties. So they'll contract for somebody to help with an episode or a season or an arc or something like that. So I'm one of the people who, who might contribute, for example, in the context of biology. And I've done so in seasons three and four of Star Trek Discovery, as well as things that have not yet come out in both uh, Prodigy and Strange New Worlds. So, And then beyond that, uh, I'm very interested in science communication and science education. So one of the things I love to do is I love to go and give talks at conventions like this one. I'm at the 57 year mission in Las Vegas right now. Lucky. I show you. I'm yeah, jealous. You guys I am so, that. I've been sitting here like vibrating in my chair all week because oh. I, I've been reaching out more on Facebook to some more mutual friends that are involved in Star Trek, just yeah. so I can kind of build that network and, and meet new people. So yeah. now my timeline is is filling up with all of these on my way to STLV. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm here at the, I'm sure. And, and I'm sure. I should have. Why did I do that yeah. to myself? Because oh. <laughs> my FOMO is bad. I've got that fear of missing oh. out is bad for me. It, it's a real I, thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> t- today, I, I was actually thinking today, you know, I could go ahead and just drive out there and, oh, hi, honey. This, Hello. this is my daughter. <laughs> Hello. Nice to meet you. Hi. You're on You're on the camera <laughs> in the recording. Yeah, she's got a lot of her daddy in her. Are you having fun? Oh, well, don't do that. Uh, okay. I, I take it you have children. So, I if do. you... I do. Do, do you want a, uh, another one here and just kind of just about start <laughs> I'm doing my two, but I appreciate it. You got a wonderful one. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh-huh. my my youngest son, he's going to be six next weekend. So... Yeah. And she's going to be wow. nine in November. Yeah. And so, I've got a long way to go before I'm, I'm done with the whole parenting thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me... Let me, let me finish what I was saying though earlier. Sure. I, I like well, to I like to give talks at too. conventions like this one about the science in the show. And well, one, one way I like to say, I got to go back to the thing. I got to I got to get back to the okay, the talk. No, say say bye bye. Bye bye. You'll come so, in a minute. Oh great! Sorry about that. <laughs> all good. All good. No, no, it's all good. So what I like to do is I, I like to say it's a. Um, it's a Trojan horse that says Star Trek on the outside, but boom, it's science inside. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to take depictions from shows and use them to be instructive examples about the real underlying scientific principles in there. So I do that both at conventions, but also I have my own YouTube channel too. It's called BioTrekkie Explains, B-I-O-T-R-E-K-K-I-E. So I have like short versions of the talks I give at conventions on that YouTube channel too. 
I want to check that out. That yeah, sounds like a, a very educational channel. It's fun. And it sounds like with what you're doing, it's helping because Star Trek is supposed to be a depiction of, of our future. Not so much like Star yeah. Wars where it's science yeah. fantasy. We've got science fiction with Star Trek. So we're trying to keep it grounded in reality. Uh, have you have you found that for the most part, the writing and the stories has been close enough or have you seen these things just said what are you people doing there's no way any of this is possible or real has there been a lot of correcting that you've had to do great question so i mean one important thing is like we're not watching national geographic we're watching a tv show that has good plot plot good plot will always trump science and you know i understand that and the answer is never just going to be like no we're not going to do that because if i just say no it's still going to happen and it might happen worse than if i help <laughs> right. And and credit to the science uh, I'm sorry, credit to the the writers that they actually want the science to be right. They're willing to invest money and you know find expertise to actually get the science right because they know how many people are inspired to go into science, technology, engineering and math by the depictions they see on Star Trek and other sci-fi. So just as one example, I got brought in for season 4 on on a broader arc that was with the species uh, season 4 discovery I brought a rock about species 10C. Well, yeah. What they said is we want to have some truly alien aliens, ones that aren't just ones with a forehead prosthetic, one where the universal translator doesn't work. And they said, what kind of communication could they be using? So what I proposed was I said, why don't you use chemical communication? We don't really think about that because we assume it's tend to uh, basically do most of our communication through either either audio or, or visual sorts of things. But lots of animals, ants, dogs, things like that, do a lot of communication through um, uh, through chemicals. So what I proposed there specifically was, why don't we use uh, hydrocarbons as the basis for that? I worked with the VFX people for what would these look like? It can't be like overly simple because like if it's, if it's just basically something like methane, like, no, that's basically a fart. That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> we need something a little more complicated than that. So, and they're all in. They are all in. They're actually excited about the science too. And I loved actually working with, say, uh, Michelle Paradise said that, like, I remember at the end, I heard her giving an explanation of the underlying science. It was inspiring that, like, her explanation was spot on right. And she clearly is not trained in science, but, you know, she she was so interested. She wanted to fully understand. It wasn't just a, like, here, fill in the script and hand it back to me. She wanted to know it. And that, I think, speaks very, very, very well of the folks who are doing this sort of work. And and it wasn't just me, to be clear. I mean, this is a collaborative thing with lots of other people involved. I mean, I worked on the physical basis for communication and, you know, what was that looking like? But there were some linguists brought in from METI, the Messaging Extraterrestrial Intelligence Organization, who actually worked out the, like, the Linkos language that they used for translating these hydrocarbons into the words we saw on there. So, again, it's like different scholars from different disciplines. We have uh, art people who are with their expertise. We have writers with their expertise. A big community thing to bring everybody this final product that I hope people like. <laughs> well, that is amazing. So, it sounds like the the uh, the communication that was done with, with 10C, basically, uh, I guess the – what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of the, the hook or the science part of – communication with a, a species that works completely differently than we do was your idea that that was I mean, parts, of, parts of it with. were yeah i mean the chemical communication the hydrocarbons what those looked like those pieces were mine the fact that there was this sort of alien communication that was not mine they had already decided on that you know prior to my even brought, being brought in but it still it was nice they brought me in early enough that we could influence the whole thing it was nice you know working with the say the writer's room for pieces of it or with the showrunner for pieces of it. And then later with the art director, later with other folks like that. So, I mean, it's really nice in that sense, working over the overall arc. Now, there are times when I've done consults that have been much simpler. They're just like, you know, here's one line of dialogue associated with what's showing up on a, on a medical tricorder. 
is this okay? And I'm like, Oh no, I should change that one word there. You know? And that might be it sometimes. And that's fair. You know, and again, enough. credit to them for wanting to do that sort of thing and actually making sure that it's right. Now, to be clear, once sometimes people will say like, you worked on the show, but blah, 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 wasn't exactly right. I'm like, you know, I don't get every piece of everything. <laughs> and, and that would be too much to ask that everybody with every kind of expertise look over everything. That's too much to ask. So, you know, yes. they, they pick the big things and then they get expertise for it, which is so much better. than. I mean, I, I like to, I hate to throw stones at anything, but I like to make fun a little bit of sometimes with some of the CW TV shows, the superhero shows there. Like they clearly do not employ science advisors on some of the stuff there. I love them. They're fun. They're entertaining. They're engaging. That's what it's for. Again, it's not National Geographic. Right. But yeah. You clearly start to be going an extra mile. <laughs> yes. You're watching something with a clear plot and a story. National yeah. Geographic, you just kind of sit there and hope something cool happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, so have you have you experienced any times where it feels like the the plot because i know you said that the plot overrides the science always um, it always has to have if there, they have to if they have to go through another dimension that doesn't exist like well that's they're just gonna do it <laughs> well right of, of course uh, have you ever been faced with a challenge of okay this is the correct way to do a thing but the plot dictates to be done a way that's just completely opposite. And I know it's science fiction. We all know that. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. But it seems yeah. like when they try to tie into something real as a basis and they get from you that, okay, well, I get what you're trying to do, but this is in no way, shape or form a thing. Is there any frustration on your end where you feel, no. listen, this is, it's just say, hey, this is no. how you should do it. If in you fact, either do it or not. In fact, I mean, one of the things that comes up all the time, too, is that they're not giving like a seminar to explain every detail of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's actually better to have something that's oversimplified to the point of even maybe not being precisely right. But it's just easier for people to get. And there's times where and even though I'm a scientist, I'm like, you know what? Don't even try to do it exactly the right way. Just say this because there's no, I mean, you can't give like a 30 minute explanation for what's going to happen. It has to be just something where there's like a couple of lines of dialogue and have to be as simple as possible. So the poor actors, I mean, they don't know all these words and forcing them to memorize this really long and complicated explanation is, is too much. So there's been times when actually I've even sacrificed on the science myself without even being asked and saying like, you know what? Just don't. <laughs> Let's just say this. This is good enough. You know, it, it's, 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 you know, it would be a B plus <laughs> instead of an A. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it because if exactly. it's their, their focus at that point, I think would just be, can I pronounce this correctly? And exactly. Can I pronounce it correctly? It's not crazy. Yeah. And then hearing it as the audience, we've all yeah. got different levels of, of understanding. And that leads me to a, a, a good question. If I, if I may say, mm -hmm. um, how, how difficult is it to have these things? Uh, for example, I, I work in it and when I'm talking to someone, depending on what I glean as your level of understanding and your, uh, uh, comfort with technology, I can, I can adjust that level. You know, I, I can yep. make it yep. give you some metaphors yep. and analogies yep. that would make it to where metaphors and, and analogies are yeah, great yeah. and not, and not talking down to anyone. It's just, no, no. this is kind of like this, you know, it's yeah. the yeah. reason it made that sound is like when your lawnmower doesn't have any gas or whatever. Yeah. Um, There's but, a great example of that, that Dr. Aaron McDonald did in season three of discovery 
or it's referred to something as a star burp. <laughs> just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get that. I know, I, I know what a burp is. I know what a star is. I get that. I don't need the technical explanation. Right. And when you're, when you're talking to someone that is a f- uh, another person that's high, uh, high end that knows yeah. all the acronyms and everything yeah. else. So yeah. how much of a challenge then is a coronal it? mass ejection or whatever is fine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So how much of a challenge is it to speak to different levels of the, the audience possible yeah. understanding of the science? Do you just try to have a, an even baseline or you, do you kind of yeah. mix in the, the lower level with the highs? That's a great question. So I personally, the way I think about it, now again, I haven't done like tons of this. I'm, you know, I'm just somebody who's contract education, but right. the way I'm, when I'm conceiving of it, I'm conceiving of it as basically the, the minimum level of understanding that basically somebody who you know, has a, has a high school diploma, has taken some science classes, then maybe it's been like 20 years. So like it, it's, that's, that's when who, who I'm shooting for overall. However, this is an important thing to your question. What I'll do is I will write out a more complicated explanation, sometimes even having citations to actual scientific papers. And I will keep that for myself, just for my own records, as well as sharing it with, say, some of the writers. And the reason for that is then if somebody who is a hyper expert does this, well, actually, blah, 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 <laughs> there's a response that's ready. Now, the thing is, that's never going to happen in the show. But there's a response ready on like a piece of paper that like, oh, they can say, oh, well, you know, Dr. Muhammad Noor told me that you know, if you look at this paper from 2007 in the Proceedings of National Academy of Science, they actually said there was an example of blah, 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 blah. So there, there, that's the way I look at it, too, that for the show itself, aim for, aim for minimal science knowledge. You know, I, there's some things that we have to assume words like atom, molecule, like we don't go through and define those every time. Again, we assume like high school level of education in science, even if it maybe was many years back. But then beyond that, the expertise stuff, we just keep it on file. And then if somebody writes them, we can respond. You know, who's really good about that. I don't know if you've seen is, um, and this is especially true for Trek Tana stuff, Aaron Waltke, excuse me, who's a co-showrunner for Prodigy. Yes. He actually will respond to people all the time on Twitter when people say, well, blah, 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 blah. He's like, actually, if you look at this, it actually yeah. is possible. I mean, not so much in the science realm, but he does that just in general. So that's something I've always admired, his engagement with the fans, even ones who are potentially critical. He's well, a great guy too. I think he's here at the convention somewhere. I haven't seen him yet. But I think oh, he's really? Here. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you follow Reddit or any other message board, but that's the thing that always makes me laugh is when you get that. Well, actually. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then, you, then you're about to hear from someone that has like is not an authority on this subject yeah. anyway, but they're going to correct yeah. you because yeah. they they feel like they just they just know yeah. so. And again, sometimes it is, sometimes it is wrong. I mean, sometimes it was, like I said, the B plus instead of the A plus solution, but it's because, you know, this has to be solved in one line of dialogue. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you just can't do it in one line dialogue. There's no way to get the A plus solution. There's like, okay, well, this isn't exactly right, but it's close enough that people get the idea and and we can move on. You've got to be able to get the gist of it because these, these episodes, the way the streaming services work now is, yeah you don't have those 26 episode seasons where you can That's uh, right. ha- have this stuff all stretched out. You're talking about exactly. basically 10 hour movies. So there's yeah, yeah, not a lot of yeah. time to get tripped up in the mundane really. Especially about like little random bits of something like, Oh, this, you know, let's say I'll use, I'll use something that happened in prodigy last season and in the first season where they found out that doll was a mixture of a bunch of different uh, uh, species, you know, human, but also a whole bunch of others. I right. mean, one of the things that, that, that was suggested in that was that he's a product of hybrid speciation. 
I didn't actually get to explain what hyperspeciation was in that discussion, right? right? So that's something we're just, I'm hoping that like the term's there, if someone wants to look it up, it can be there. And there was like a very general explanation. Like why was the specific speciation and not just a hybrid? I didn't get to explain that. But, you know, I have notes written down for that sort of thing, just as an example. Right, right. That's excellent. So here's what I want to hear some more about. Sure. What are your hobbies and interests outside of Star Trek? Oh, there aren't any. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy question. Like, no, I can't answer that. That That's it. <laughs> honestly, the, honestly, Star Trek is a lot of it. I mean, I mentioned my own podcast, but honestly, I don't spend a lot of time with that. Um, I'm very active with a couple of other podcasts. You know, the, the Seventh Rule podcast, which is hosted by Sorak Lofton, Ryan T. Huskin, formerly Aaron Eisenberg, before he sadly passed away. I am an associate producer with that. I've been very heavily involved with that. There's some spinoffs from that, like the Virtual Trek Con series, which I know Beyond yes. Trek has been part of the Virtual Trek Con conventions too. So yeah, I'm great. very active with that. Yeah, no, exactly. So they have a main viewers, the main viewer show every Tuesday night at eight o'clock PM Eastern time. So I'm involved with that. Um, there's another podcast called Watch the First. And that's actually one that's not really Star Trek oriented, but Brian T. Husker, I mentioned before, is the, the, basically the main host for that. That's literally just like, watching the first episode of some TV show. And then we have a discussion about it. It's really fun. So we have that, that comes out. Yeah. That comes out every Wednesday night at uh, 9 PM Eastern time. Well, that adds some variety to it. And it sounds like you're a part of several different podcasts. Now, and I'm, gotta, and, you know, I'm a Patreon for others too. I'm a Patreon for the yep. Delta Flyers with all of them and Patreon for the shuttle pod show. You know, so a lot of, a lot of Trek ones, especially, but you know, still, I mean, it's just a lot of fun stuff. And then does, of course, I mean, I have my academic work too. <laughs> yes. Does it ever get old? And you can answer this honestly. Uh, does it ever get old to be asked to do all of these talks and discussions amongst all the different podcasts, uh, Never. groups, fans. And the reason I asked that is because I did a Google search on Star Trek podcasts. Just wanted to see where, where are we all amongst the sea of podcasts? And for Star Trek, it had to be around 200 or more. And I was yeah. thinking, Oh my God, that's right. Well, the thing is, is that anyone could wake up some morning and say, huh, I should do a podcast and I'm going to start with the top 10 episodes of the next generation. And the thing is that when you do your podcast, it's not like you're employed. Nobody can tell you, no, you can't do it. So it's just adding so much. So I, I can only imagine that you're getting requests probably pretty often, but it sounds like it's not something you get burned out on. Not at all. I mean, what I love is I love people getting excited about science. I love people getting excited about science fiction, including Trek. And if we have the intersection of those two things, oh my God, yeah, I'm always in. I mean, one of the things as an educator, so again, I'm a professor. One of the things as an educator I love is basically just getting to chat with people who are excited about some topic and discussing it and dissecting it and thinking about it. I mean, that's so much fun. And if you do it with folks like you who are curious and excited and interested, I mean, that's the best sort of audience you have. It's, it's you know, when you're teaching, say, in a college classroom, if you're teaching a majors class, you know, there's often some people who are kind of like, oh, this is a hoop. I have to jump through it. Honestly, the vast majority of students are not like that, even though, even though it's sometimes a stereotype that that's true. The vast majority of students are not like that, but there's a subset. But if it's a podcast, like, why would you listen if you're bored? <laughs> you know, right. so 100% of the people listening are really excited about it. They want to hear about this. I love that. I love just chatting, you know, with like with you or with other folks and, and having other people maybe be interested enough to be like, Hey, I want to look up something about chemical communication now because I just, I just heard this podcast where he was talking about this. I, right? know I want to was... look up hybrid speciation. You know, great. Go for it. Those are a couple of things that I knew were existed, but not didn't dive into like you yeah. have. And now you've taught me something and given me a subject that I think I will definitely want to look more into and, and learn about because I, I like science. 
Yeah. Science is good. I'm, I may not be good at it. I'm probably more of a C plus B minus uh, level, but you know, um, so uh, sorry. I've got my director here telling me I'm being too loud. So I guess I gotta, <laughs> all good. I didn't hear. <laughs> yeah. Usually uh, it's just me, my green screen, peaceful and quiet, but yeah. you, you caught me when the boss was here uh, because it was speaking late of, notice, but <laughs> speaking of the boss, do you want me to take a quick peek outside so you can see and, your, and your folks can see? Let's see. I'll, it. I'll, I'll turn the camera around. I'm actually sitting in a little kind of behind the scenes area. I'm in the vendor room. To be clear where I am, I'm in the vendor room of the 57-year mission convention. This is a Star Trek-themed mostly convention. So there's a lot of the actors here. There's a lot of vendors here. So I'm going to walk out. I'm going to turn around the camera first so you see the other way. I'm just in a little backstage area. And we're coming out now. This gives you an idea of what the vendor area looks like. So we have various people. Oh, hello. Hello. We have various people selling various sorts of wares all around. This is Melissa Longo from the seventh rule. She has a table here, the walking art made by Melissa. Here's one of her, uh, her customers. Awesome. <laughs> you see she has a whole bunch of like Star Trek themed shirts. These, by the way, you can also order online at, at theintrovertedrepublic.com. Let, so, let me know Big J with Beyond Trek Podcast says hi. Big J with Beyond Trek Podcast says hi. Oh, thank you. <laughs> she's not paying me for She's not paying for what I just said. Oh, okay. Thank you. That, that $5 was well learned just now. <laughs> I also, so I'm selling copies of my book here too. This is my book that I have, which actually teaches uh, science concepts using uh, Star Trek examples. But, you know, we have, we have like various other vendors all around. There's some actors around amazing. there. Like, actually, you see Ciroc Lofton is, is straight there wearing the yellow shirt straight ahead right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I see him. That so is, there's other folks awesome. around. Yeah. We'll see various other vendors all around, but it's nice. Right now, it's actually unusually quiet because this is the Thursday. There's a great cosplay. Is that Anisha? Oh, that's great cosplay. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So now you but, got early. Look at your fans. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> now, uh, I think you uh, told me, if I recall correctly, you got early access to set up. Was that right? Yeah, because uh, since I'm a vendor here, so I can I can come in a little bit earlier. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Tell us about yeah. your book. I didn't realize you you had a book that you were. Oh yeah. On. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, like you said, it's called Live Long and Evolve. It's available on any local bookseller. It is basically the introductory non-majors class at Duke for um, uh, genetics and evolution, but all framed using examples from Star Trek. So it doesn't assume you know any science at all. Again, beyond just a like atom molecule, basic words like that, right? But essentially, I go through all the topics there, like evidence for evolution. I go over what is natural selection. But in each case, I start with an example from a Star Trek episode and then say, okay, this is what we saw. Now let's talk about the real science and then come back to the episode at the end and say like, okay, how good was that for depicting the real science there? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's nice because it gives a narrative associated with this. I actually use it for a class at Duke now that literally would show up on your transcript as genetics, evolution, Star Trek, <laughs> which I love that. <laughs> but a lot of people who take the class have honestly never seen any Star Trek and their first years coming into college and they still like it because there's a story. Right. There's a narrative. It's right. not just memorize the steps of the Krebs cycle. Like, no, nobody likes that. <laughs> but it's a, hey, let's watch this cool TV show. Here was some science in it. What was right? Why not? And then let's talk about the real science in it. So for that, actually, for the class, which I use the book for, the final project is to come up with some, you know, something creative on your own to teach some of these concepts that you learn in the class. So one guy last, last time I taught the class did a video of, um, uh, basically like a, a fake Star Trek episode. <laughs> oh, it was only really? like five or six minutes long. It was only like five or six minutes long, but like they encountered these aliens and they're unusually strong. And he was trying to explain it, but it was fascinating. What was great is like, there were so many people on, but this was like a production. He himself was not actually even in the video. He basically recruited his whole dorm to contribute to this thing. 
And what warms my heart about this, not just the effort, not just the product is really cool, but that many other people were exposed to science because it was exciting. It wasn't just this boring, like if I'd just been showing you the prep cycle, nobody else would have been involved, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I that believe I've heard heart. that name, but I don't remember the anything. Prep cycle, about yeah. It. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so the name of the book again is Live Long and Evolve. Exactly. That, okay, yeah, it's available on Amazon or, or it's it's from Princeton University Press, but you can okay. find it on their website or on on any bookseller i'm gonna look for that on audible as well because i love those oh yeah it's on, yeah actually i made an i made an audio version of it but it's not my voice it's, uh, it's somebody else's voice uh, well then i'm not i don't think i could get it now if it's not your voice <laughs> yeah. it's okay you can still get it <laughs> now i i know you're gonna be pretty busy uh if we need to start wrapping up uh you know we can we can do that because you've got some stuff coming up yeah, last question yeah. that i want to ask you last question here is have you been, has there been any talk about you having a small role walk on <laughs> or something, some kind of on camera, you're a scientist, you're I wish, something I like wish. that. That's never come up. I would love to do that someday, but there's no plan that I've that, at least no plan that I've heard of that involves that. I wish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know, as you know, Dr. Aaron McDonald got that in Prodigy in the, in the season one finale. So right. there was basically an animated version of her. But again, she's actually on retainer for the franchise. I'm just somebody who's contracted. So, you know, fair. I will keep my fingers crossed that you get that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I would well, love it so much. But thank you so I mean, much. I'm honestly honored. I'm honored even to have my name show up in the credits occasionally. I mean, that to me is already like, they've already given me the moon. I'm happy. I mean, I'll take Jupiter if it comes, but I'm happy with the moon. <laughs> I'll take that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I'm glad you're able thank to make you. some time for us uh, for this today. And really thank appreciate you. it. Hope you enjoy STLV. And thank hopefully we'll get, get a chance to talk again really soon. Hopefully, I get to see you at the next one, too. Great. Yes. I'm going to start saving up the nickels now. So, hopefully, awesome. I'll be there. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. You take care. You, too. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile. <laughs>